Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Island College Basketball Podcast where... We sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching live on YouTube or even later on YouTube, please smash the like button like your Brandon Davies. You have consent. You know what he would do. And if you haven't yet subscribed to the YouTube channel, please knock that out while you're here. Okay, dead leg. Big news today on the IARP front. Nearly three years after Memphis played James Wiseman against South Carolina State, Illinois, Chicago, and Oregon in defiance of the NCAA, Uh, The Tigers have received their punishment for that decision that triggered an investigation into Penny Hardaway's program. The punishment is light. Three years probation, three games vacated, $5,000 fine, and that is basically it. No postseason ban, no suspension for Penny Hardaway. So let's just start there. Norlander, are you surprised that Memphis got off this lightly? I think everyone's surprised that Memphis got off as lightly as it did. Let's just start there because I know you are as well. Can we start? Can that be the starting point? I don't think anyone, anyone, literally anyone, maybe people in Memphis's athletic department thought this, but no one thought it was going to be this light. In the months and weeks leading up to this, as I've, uh, you know, regularly talked about this on radio, I have consistently said that anything that doesn't include a, include a postseason ban, if I were Memphis, I would take it. Six-game suspension for Penny Hardaway? Sure. Fine. Whatever. Probation? Cool. Scholarship reductions? Got it. Anything that didn't include a postseason ban, I would have been willing to take. Mm-hmm. And obviously, this punishment stops well short of that. Um, I, you know, I don't have cameras inside the athletic department right now, uh, but I am confident they are thrilled and possibly throwing a party. Uh, Not only do I think um, this met the best reasonable expectations Memphis could have had, I think it probably exceeds them. Has to exceed them. This was one of those deals where when it landed earlier this morning, I looked through everything. It was like, am I missing something? Like, you know, before I sent out a couple of screen grabs of everything, I was like, all right, this is is everything? $5,000 fine? 0.25% 0.25% of the budget, three years probation. There's uh, there's nothing on Penny here. Like, this is it? It is it. The IARP. There's a, a lot we need to get to to provide context for our listeners and our viewers here because this is an intriguing case. 
An obvious reminder that the Memphis IARP case is separate from all of the other ones because this is not a case tied to the FBI stuff. We will get to that later in the podcast there. But you know, them ruling the way they did is certainly extremely notable and surprising because, and I don't have the full rundown on NCAA history. Again, this is not Committee on Infractions. This is not NCAA Committee on Infractions. This is the IARP, which will dissolve next year. I don't have the whole history of this. I feel kind of confident declaring that there's never been a school have at least four level one violations and a notice of allegations and come out of that with not at least one significant sanction. I wouldn't define any of the punishments Memphis received today as significant. A three-year probationary period is not a significant punishment. Now, don't F up when you're on probation or then it could get real serious in a hurry, but none of these are actually serious. This is been referred to as the uh, the cliche, but accurate slap on the wrist. That's basically what's happened here. For Penny Hardaway to avoid any kind of suspension is obviously intriguing. You and I were both on the IARP's media call there. There's plenty of stuff to take away from that. But I will note that um, Hugh Frazier, who oversaw this case on the, uh, the 15-member IARP board, uh, he said... Quote, it was more of the failures of the leaders of the university than the men's basketball coaching staff. He later uh, reiterated what was in the report that they focused a lot on Penny Hardaway's community-oriented leadership and philanthropic ventures before he became the men's basketball coach and bringing context to that. I certainly want your opinions and thoughts on that. Memphis did not self-impose on this as well. This is why I think this is unprecedented. I don't think there's ever been a school to never self-impose anything amidst an investigation, get at least four level ones, and have this less of this low of a punishment in general. Overall, yes, the IARP looked at this and said, this looks seems like level two kind of stuff to us. And then one more quote from Hugh Frazier, he said, quote, our intention was to impact those with greater culpability, ellipsis mine here. The panel was intentional in not prescribing penalties that would have an impact on current student athletes. Whether that will be a philosophy that is embraced in future cases remains to be seen. I asked directly if that would be the case or if it was specific to this. Hugh Frazier was uh, specific in saying it was specific to this case. So don't go thinking that just because Memphis didn't get something major and we weren't going to prescribe penalties to have an impact on current players. That doesn't necessarily mean yes or no. Either way, same fates would uh, would land on Kansas, uh, LSU, Louisville, and Arizona. Your thoughts, Parrish, on them getting out the way they did and this also this other idea that, um, you know, they really took into account who Penny Hardaway is and who he was before he became the Memphis head coach. And that having clearly a significant uh, sway in him not being punished and, and the program as well. Uh, you mentioned, you know, schools that have faced major violations or at least allegations um, and then gotten off of the light punishment by um, you know, self-imposing nothing and acknowledging nothing. North Carolina comes to mind. I, I don't know if it rises to the criteria you set, uh, but North Carolina case obviously comes to mind. And I do think these are similar in the in the way that Memphis was able to effectively argue out of this. If you remember what the North Carolina case, I'll, I'll keep it as simple as I can keep it. Um, it, it was pretty well like. Um, established that North Carolina had fraudulent classes on its campus that student athletes were benefiting from. The way North Carolina argued out of that is they said, sure, 
but it's not your job to tell us what is a fraudulent class and what isn't. That's not the role of the NCAA. And it's not like only student athletes benefited from these classes. There are a lot of non-student athletes that were in these classes as well. Therefore, it is not an impermissible benefit for student athletes because it was available to everybody. And the NCAA kind of rolled over and said, okay, you got us. And that is not quite apples to apples, but more or less um, what Memphis argued here. Hey, did Penny Hardaway give $11,500 to James Wiseman's family? Yeah, sure he did. But he's given money to people his whole life. This is a born and raised Memphian who played in the NBA, made in excess of $100 million, got a lucrative Nike deal that is still a lucrative Nike deal, that donated a million dollars to our athletic department back in 2008, and who has been helping underprivileged people from his community forever. So, yeah, he was a booster when he technically a booster when he provided. Uh, James Wiseman's family with that money. But, you know, we never as a university, you know, took any real time to explain to him what that meant and what he could and could not do. So he just kept, you know, helping people who needed help the same way Penny Hardaway has always done. And that that is not to be um, punished. That is to be applauded. And that that's more or less the argument that they made. And the IRP said, okay. Now, I, I think two things can be true at the same time. One, Penny Hardaway has thrown around money to people who could use it for his entire adult life. That That is true, and I agree should be applauded. You, you forget him as a basketball coach. What he means to the city um, is, is, is more than I think people outside of the city um, realize. Even, even as his coaching career got off to an uneven start, um, yeah, he faced some criticism, but he's still the type of guy who could walk into a, basically any restaurant in the area and get it, literally get a standing ovation when he walked in and and be asked to take selfies with everybody. He's an incredibly important figure in the community. So that's true. This is also true. He wasn't helping James Weisman's family because they needed help. He, he was moving them to Memphis so that he could play for Penny at East High School. Um, that wasn't philanthropic as much as it was trying to get a five-star center on your high school basketball team. But again, I give Memphis's attorneys a lot of credit. They were able to argue that what Penny did with James Wiseman isn't really any different than what Penny's been doing his entire life. And if it was a violation of the rules based on his booster status, then that's on us as a university for not properly educating him on what he could, not, uh, what he could and could not do. So then the second part of it is you go, okay, but they, they still play James Wiseman in defiance of the NCAA when they knew they shouldn't have. How do you explain that one? And Memphis was able to argue that Penny didn't know James Wiseman was ineligible, which, <laughs> which like, let's just speak plainly here. That is simply un, they, not believable. That's this just is, not believable. All right. This is why you pay lawyers because they made the case and the IARP bought it period though. I, we can probably land on the same page here, Parrish. This is it. This detail is exactly why you sign up for the billable hours and get guys on retainer because of this exact thing. Because Hugh Fraser was pressed multiple times on that media call today about the veracity of that claim. And he was steadfast in the IARP's panel believing the timeline of events for Memphis 
that upon the first game of eligibility for uh, James Wiseman, that South Carolina State, you should have trivia time me on that. I wouldn't have gotten that. I didn't remember a South Carolina State. That Penny Hardaway was unaware at tip-off James Wiseman was technically ineligible by NCAA standards. I find that hard to believe. The thought 100% had to cross his mind. But Memphis's lawyers convinced them, and that's one of the key pieces of this case and why they were able to avoid. Uh, that, even that, that, that is either the most dysfunctional athletic department in the country at oh. the time, oh. and, it, and it, it might have been, or just simply not true, right? Just simply not true. And I would lean towards not true. I mean, I can't even – I promise if we did a candid coaches right now and polled 100 college coaches, do you think Penny Hardaway knew James Wiseman – was ineligible when he played James Wiseman, like a hundred percent would say yes. Uh, like the other thing Hugh Frazier said, as he was explaining this, he said, you know, coaches don't get too deep into the eligibility issues. That's just a ridiculous statement. I mean, it's an outrageous statement. I, I don't even under, like, I don't even know. This is why people have no confidence in these people because they say outrageous things like, well, you know, coaches don't really deal with eligibility issues. What? Have you ever talked to a coach? Of course they deal with eligibility issues. But again, congrats to Memphis. They, you know, Memphis more or less argued from a position of we will save Penny Hardaway at all cost. And if it has to make our athletic department look ridiculous, then we'll just make our athletic department look ridiculous. And it worked. So mission accomplished. But I I I think, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm not going to be naive here. Yeah, I, I'm not interested in arguing the point, but like whether it's Penny Hardaway or literally any other coach in America, if your five-star center is, you know, projected possible number one pick in the draft is having eligibility issues, you're going to be aware of that. I, 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 simp- I say this as respectfully as I can say it. I find that outrageous to believe. Here's the exact language from the ruling. Uh, this is the press release tied to the actual case ruling. Uh, quote, the hearing panel, and I'm going to insert wise, I'm not doing the student athlete number one nonsense. The hearing panel also included that the institution's leadership allowed Wiseman to participate in a November 5th, 2019 basketball contest without informing the head coach until after the contest that Wiseman had been determined to be ineligible to play. The case decision references an October 31, 2019 determination from an NCAA academic and membership affairs that informed Memphis that the three prospective student athletes who were then uh, uh, who were then student athletes, good God, uh, were ineligible to compete because they had received financial assistance from the head coach after he became a booster, but before he was hired by Memphis. Memphis disagreed with this determination and was informed of the steps to appeal of the academic and membership affairs decision. But Memphis stated, and the hearing panel found that it did not appeal. Absolutely wild and. Um, Hey, I was just as surprised with you over that. By the way, I mentioned the four level ones. They were all tied to lack of institutional control, had coach responsibility, and failure to monitor. But at the heart of the decision of this case, remember that four level one allegations in the notice, uh, 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 level one violations in the notice of allegations. They are head coach control, lack of institutional control, and failure to monitor. That normally, even if uh, a coach is left in, in, in the past has led to relatively, you know, recruiting restrictions, scholarship reductions, or, you know, visits, all this stuff. That's not in play here whatsoever, um, which is kind of wild to me, it, particularly when 
you also had Mike Miller, who's now long gone, no, not cooperating whatsoever. I did ask if if his lack of cooperation, I didn't name him by, you know, identify him by name, but I did I did ask if that led to the delay. And I was told it was a lot of COVID stuff. I don't know. This still has taken way, way, way too long for us to finally get to this day. Oh, by the way, we are five years and one day removed. Five years and one day exactly from the FBI cases uh, coming to light, which prompted this IARP to be formed, uh, period, with all of this stuff. Um, I don't know. Listen, I, I, I kind of do commend the IARP at, at kind of looking at Penny's overall situation and and having a pragmatic look on it and saying this is this is what he did and who he was and how important he was in this community. I don't I don't hate the ruling. Now I will say a couple things. One, I I kept this on my soundboard and thank goodness because uh Penny said this and the IARP listened. Stop disrespecting me, bro. Stop <laughs> disrespecting me, bro. Stop disrespecting me, bro. And damn if they ever did listen. And the other thing, our boss Adi Joseph has specifically requested I'm sorry, but he has specifically requested this drop to be played. I was wrong. We need to get back to this real quick. Wrong about what? You said that playing James Wiseman, I don't have the exact audio, that playing James Wiseman going in defiance of the NCAA would backfire on Memphis in a way that I think was going to be more egregious than the way that it played out here. I think that's what our... our I said it was nonsensical and stupid. It still was. You know that that you that you beat the case three years later doesn't make it sensible or smart to do. I mean, listen, they they should be celebrating over there. They still spent how many hours, how much money fighting this case, um, operating with a cloud over their head coach and program, literally for years. Like, um, was it I, worth it? Is the, at the end of the day, no, was it wasn't worth. In what way could you argue it was worth it? The guy played three games for you. How was it worth it? I know. I know. I know. What are you talking about? Like I saw somebody else tweet, is this vindication for the Memphis Athletic Department? No. Like, what are you talking about? It was, you ready for this? They're going to act like it. You ready for this? It was still stupid to play James Wiseman in defiance of the NCAA that you more or less got away with after fighting it, uh, you know, for years. Doesn't mean that it was smart to do or anything other than stupid to do. Like, um, okay, uh, you you drinking and driving, right? You drink and drive, and then but then you hire a really good lawyer and you get off. Are you vindicated for drinking and driving? Does it mean like, oh, see, it wasn't stupid for them to drink and drive? No, it was dumb for you to drink and drive. You got caught, um, mm-hmm. and then you beat the case because you had some really good lawyers argue effectively. But it doesn't mean it was smart to drink and drive. I don't even understand that. Like, no, the Memphis Athletic Department was idiotic to allow James Wiseman to play under those circumstances. And fortunately, they more or less got away with it. They they absolutely did. Uh, One more quote from Frazier. Um, We examined a very, very significant record, and we came to the conclusion that it didn't reach level one. There would have been no difficulty with this panel arriving at the conclusion if they had been satisfied that conduct reached level one. We did not find that. Given how long this case took to took to resolve i have to t- i i mean i have to take them at their word with that as weird as it is to try and resolve the issue with like penny not knowing wiseman would have been ineligible all the stuff with mike miller's hard drive that was material to the case um listen man I, they 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 said what they said and the ruling is the ruling i did not think we'd be coming on when we learned early this morning that this case was going public today uh, i didn't think we'd be coming on talking about a memphis team that's got 
uh, and a program that's got some real pep in its step. I mean, Penny Hardaway put out a put out a statement earlier. Um, I said, we have finally arrived at the end of an extremely challenging period, and I could not be more grateful. I would like to thank our players and their families, as well as our coaches and our support staff for continuing to focus on what we could control as this process lingered. Believe me, none of this was easy, but this group always had faith. Tiger Nation, you have my eternal gratitude for continuing to believe in and supporting us. We never take that belief and support for granted. As I tell our team, we do what we do for our great city. It continues on. Lastly, it goes, it's now time to put all this behind us. Brighter days are ahead, and we cannot wait to share in the future successes as one Memphis. That's Penny Hardaway's statement there. And yeah, after the break, we'll get to uh, the other cases that remain. But big time win. I mean, Penny Hardaway had been waiting on a win like this because he has kept the program relevant, but there have been a number of issues, Wiseman and otherwise, that have put Memphis in a negative light. We've hopped on here to talk about the Tigers for many reasons that aren't exactly the the rosiest GP. And here comes a win with the IRP. Um, there's no appeal. They don't want an appeal. They're more than happy with this. They didn't self-impose anything and they get out with this $5,000, 0.25% of the men's basketball budget as a fine, three years probation, no recruiting restrictions, no postseason ban. Penny Hardaway doesn't have to sit for two seconds under suspension. Humongous win and big day in your city. Uh, no question. Like it is, you know, trust me, whether it's friends or family members um, who care about that program, they are all ecstatic because the alternative to what they're dealing with right now would have been possibly, you know, an announcement that says, you know, with just a few weeks before the start of this season, no matter what happens, whenever game you play, you're not going to the NCAA tournament. And that would have obviously been, um, you know, pretty deflating and, and disappointing. Uh, as for, what the Memphis ruling might mean for the other schools still dealing with IARP cases. We'll get into that next, but first a word from our partners. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name, your price tool from progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. 
A reminder, if you want, you can now email the show, shouts2cbs at gmail.com, shouts2cbs at gmail.com. We are loving the responses we've gotten, the emails, the correspondence, the questions. Continue sending them. You can send in a video if you'd like, 10 to 15 second video, ask a question, name, city, town, get out. We'll try and drop those in going forward on the show, on the YouTube channel. Continue to send us stuff. We love hearing from you. And thank you as always for subscribing. So, Dedeck, you asked uh, about what conclusions uh, we might be able to draw from the results of the Memphis case as it pertains to the other cases still out there. And what kind of timeline we're looking at? Uh, what did you find out? So, yeah, there's a few more notable things here. Um, the timeline, let's deal with the timeline first. My understanding, and I don't, you know, I don't have this as 100%. My understanding, though, is next should be Kansas. And then Louisville, maybe Louisville will jump because Louisville having the Chris Mack stuff folded into its IARP case has um, made the timeline of the Louisville case a little bit cloudy. Maybe it'll be next. Maybe it'll be last. But Louisville's been done. It's had its hearing. I expect that to come uh, before the end of the year. And then uh, I think Arizona and then LSU are the final two uh, and NCAA um liaison with the IRP uh, was on earlier today on this call. And he said in his words that this will not wrap until this was Derek Crawford, uh, VP of hearing operations. He said, quote, late spring, early summer of 2023. He also said two schools haven't had their final hearing. Believe that is LSU. And I think it's Arizona. Those two are still waiting on all of that. So uh, my projection of this is that over the college basketball season that's to come, we will have news about Kansas and Louisville come down in the middle of the season. We will hop on and do an emergency podcast about those schools as the season's going on. Maybe we get one of those before the season starts, and I certainly would welcome uh, that and welcome the IARP to get this done as quickly as possible. But um, at least one school, and I would guess it's LSU, is going to not get its news until after this season ends. And I guess potentially Arizona and Sean Miller, uh, it might be the same. So keep an eye on that. I know everyone wants this done as soon as possible. Again, the IARP will dissolve once those cases are all adjudicated, and we will go back to an NCAA-only Committee on Infractions recently updated yet again for like the fifth time in 15 years kind of model that's going all back to in-house with the ncaa this is out they've outsourced this and uh <laughs> schools might come to uh to rue this day if if indeed the memphis case is a harbinger for what's to come with the other cases now as for the other cases i i did ask about that as well because you know hugh frazier did mention that they 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 were conscious of the fact that they did not want to punish the current student athletes at Memphis, the current players on the team. And so I asked, was that, you know, approach specific to this case or might it be something that the panel uh, could quasi adopt and, and apply to future cases? Frazier was specific uh, in saying it might be that we have no application or uh, of every case going forward, meaning just because we did this with Memphis doesn't necessarily mean we'll think the same way when we're talking about Kansas or Arizona or Louisville. All of those cases, yes, they're under the FBI umbrella. All of them are different. You know, Kansas has five level ones facing it. Then again, Memphis just had four of them and it just got tossed away. 
So, but Memphis wasn't an FBI case. I don't know. Kansas still has its head coach there. Arizona doesn't. LSU doesn't. Louisville doesn't. So none of these cases, there are no two remaining cases that are exactly alike. That being said, athletic directors, NCAA, um, you know, commissioners, coaches, fans, they're not going to care about that. They're just going to see all these are all the FBI cases. We want to have consistency across the board. I'll be interested to see when these come down. If we do have consistency, if we do have, you know, any major sanctions come down. I cannot tell you right now that if you are a fan of Kansas or Arizona or Louisville or LSU, that you, if you saw the Memphis news here on September 27th, that it automatically means good things for your, I can't promise you that, but it's, I mean, it things could be worse. If Memphis got absolutely hammered, I would say you need to, you need to be wary given the facts of this case, they went light on them. What's your thoughts on, on, and I'm not going to ask you predictions because we don't know, but you know expectations and and where you think we go from here with the remaining four cases. I have no expectations, no idea. I, I'm, I've been consistent on this. Um, I, I'm out of the prediction business when it comes to punishments. Um, they're wildly inconsistent. You can't take anything as a precedent. Sometimes they make sense. Often they don't. Like you know, why does Oklahoma State get a postseason ban but South Carolina doesn't? Like I, you know, right. yeah. just stuff like that. Boynton tweeted a clown. <laughs> right. Oklahoma State's coach, Mike Boynton, actually tweeted a clown face earlier. Today. Yeah, like I, I mean, I'm Kyle. He, he quote tweeted KB, Kyle Boone. And Strong <laughs> jaw. Yeah, I'd be. Well, I'd be I, now, I, did I, you put that up yet? I think he did. You What did he say on that? I just love the fact that a head coach is like going on social media. And just <laughs> What's outrageous? <laughs> like if you're Mike Boynton, <laughs> I mean, I'd be furious too. I mean, I would be parody of all all of the stuff that's going on. We're the ones that got the postseason ban. Like it's it's crazy, and so I never predicted. And you get asked about this stuff all the time. Yeah, Um, I never predicted what Memphis would get or what Kansas will get because I don't have any idea. Um, I am surprised that it was this light for Memphis, but. You know, I never said they're definitely getting this. They're definitely getting that. You know, I don't know. Nobody does. Um, But I will say, if you asked me if I were a Kansas fan, would I be more optimistic than 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 I was yesterday, today? Yeah, I think so. And it's it's the main reason is because you have now had people connected to this process on multiple times um, publicly say that. You know, in in one form or another, they are hesitant to punish student athletes who had nothing to do with this. That was said today. It's been said before. And if that is really a guiding light for um, these IARP cases, well, there's literally no way to implement a postseason ban without punishing student athletes who had nothing to do with it. You, it's impossible to do. And, and if correct, but the way you get ahead of that is if you say it's going to be a year from now, so you know, if you want in it's going to be your decision. That's the only way that you can do it and and have minimal, I guess. Yeah, but like you would still be punishing somebody who had you nothing would. to do with it. You would give them an out. They would have an out. Right. But if they chose to stay, you would be punishing somebody who had nothing to do with this. And you got to remember when it comes to college students, these aren't just basketball players. These are like real people. You know, I, I know that people love to talk about the transfer portal. Most people don't want to transfer. It's complicated. You lose some credits. Um, you lose some friends. 
you know, maybe you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend on campus that you don't want to leave. So just because somebody hasn't out to leave doesn't mean it's in their best interest to leave. So if you implement a postseason band, you're going to punish somebody who had nothing to do with this. Um, and and if if it is really a guiding principle of theirs that they don't want to do that, and they have certainly suggested that multiple times recently, then if I'm a Kansas fan, I feel pretty good right now, or at least better than I otherwise would, um, because I, I've I've long um, uh, been a believer that I don't want to say scholarship reductions don't matter, and you know being taken off the road doesn't matter. But anything short of a postseason ban, you can you can work around. Anything short of a postseason ban, you can keep your program running same way it's always been running. Yeah, postseason ban is the biggie. The only other IARP decision that came before this one was last December, NC State. They got one year worth of probation. Orlando Early, a former assistant who then became an NBA scout, he got a show cause of five or six years. Mark Gottfried, the former coach, got a one year show cause. And that goes back to, you know, according to evidence that was shown in court and in testimony, I mean, you literally had money drops, money bag drops at doors trying to tied to the Dennis Smith Jr. case. Um, so the issues in that case. I think we're more, we're not more. I know they were just plainly more egregious than the Memphis one and NC State. Again, they didn't have no one on staff remained, uh, but they didn't get a postseason ban. Yes, you did have show causes handed down by the IRP. All the other ones have been NCAA cases. I mean, the Oklahoma State one that was a one-year postseason ban that just got served. Um, Lamont Evans got a ten-year show cause, and Oklahoma State's still on probation with that. But other schools like. Bruce Pearl sat for a couple of games. They're on probation right now. Chuck Person got a lengthy show cause when that happened. Lamont Evans got a show cause tied to the South Carolina stuff at South Carolina. The Oklahoma State, South Carolina, so I'll never understand. Having sat in that courtroom, watched everything, listened to all the testimony, I'll never understand how Oklahoma State and South Carolina were so different because Lamont Evans was at both those universities and some of the stuff that he did while at South Carolina and was caught surreptitiously on video saying uh, was just as bad as the stuff he was caught doing in Oklahoma State. I digress. Other ones that were NCAA... And remember, this is not IARP, this is NCAA, just a refresher for our listeners. Creighton, USC, got a two-year probation period. TCU got a three-year probation period. Former assistants got show causes at all of those schools of varying lengths there. So there will be... A, I would think that the IARP will hand down show causes to affected parties only because at the NCAA level and the IARP level, as it pertains to the FBI cases, not Memphis now, as it pertains to the FBI cases, literally Oklahoma State, Alabama, Auburn, South Carolina, USC, Creighton, TCU, NC State, all schools enveloped by the FBI case. All of them had former staff members handed show causes down. Now, that does not, not all our postseason bans. Not all head coaches served for 10, 15, 20 game suspensions. Bruce Pearl had a light one. So I do think that there will be punishments coming. But I remember being, I want to hold myself accountable here. I remember being definitive multiple times on this podcast, thinking that Kansas would face a postseason ban. I'm not as confident today in that as I have been previously based in part on the IRP, IRP decision with Memphis here. But I just wanted to at least refresh listeners on every single school that was roped into the FBI stuff. Like there have been, you know, some punishments handed down and some like, you know, you can't come and coach. You got to show, show us cause why you should be able to coach again. 
in college athletics. That has happened. Lengthy ones, too. Five years, 10 years. So I still think some tough stuff is coming for all those schools. The question is, though, like, will Bill Self have to sit a game or five or 10 or 15? Will Kansas be permanently eligible for every postseason moving forward? Uh, same with LSU. Will Wade's not there. Um, I had a source tell me in recent days that, like, Will Wade's feeling a little bit more optimistic about the nature of his case and how it pertains. <laughs> God bless him, right? Um, so the, so we'll see. And the IRP, which is going to dissolve next year, Parish, we might be talking about this next spring, look back at all these cases and be like, you know, they basically did their job. They kind of went through the motions, but it looked like they just kind of threw their hands up. They're like, all right, we're good. Like, that's, that's definitely a, an outcome that could be on the table here. We await and see. It's just hard for me to square Oklahoma State getting a postseason ban. And maybe if none of the other schools do that, don't they don't, but like OSU is by was far from the most deserving school to get that kind of a that kind of a sanction there. So we await on what's next. Think it'll be I think it'll be Kansas that's next in line. We'll see if that comes before the season starts. One last thing uh, before we get out of here. Jonathan in the comments, um, and I only address this because I've seen multiple people make this point. Um you know, he says, was it Penny at the courthouse with James Wiseman to get an injunction before the first game? That was actually before the second game. Um, so, like, the, the timeline is important. Wiseman played in the first game while ineligible, but the Memphis story at this point is Penny didn't know. Then the injunction comes before the second game. The injunction, by the way, never meant that Memphis had to play James Wiseman. Like, a, a, a federal judge is not in charge of creating your starting lineup. <laughs> you know, he can't he can't make you put somebody in a game. So they could have they could have you know not um deemed James Wiseman ineligible. That's what the NCAA asked them to do. Like we we believe he's ineligible. You need to declare him ineligible and then seek reinstatement. Memphis just said double birds were were playing him. But the injunction never made Memphis play James Wiseman. That's just not true. Um, they played him because they wanted to. Here's my point. And again, I'm, I'm not going to fight. What I'm happy that Memphis did not get a postseason ban. I would not want to uh, talk every day about a team headed nowhere. But you know, all of this unfolded in real time. And Penny Hardaway was asked questions about the decision to play James Wiseman, why he did it, what he knew, what he could talk about, what he couldn't, all along. And never once did he say. Listen, I didn't know he was ineligible. He never said that. Uh, If if people were questioning, like, let's say I'm the head coach and I just played a player and he's deemed ineligible and people are asking me, why did you play him? I'd say, truth is, I didn't know. I found out after the game. That's the story now. That was never the story then. It was just about doing right by the kid and we didn't think he did anything wrong and it was never I didn't know. Far as I can tell, that explanation didn't become an explanation until the lawyers got involved. And so it's just good lawyering. It's very good lawyering. They said, hey, we can maybe save your program and your head coach, but we're going to have to make your athletic department look ridiculous. And they said, okay, let's do it then. And it worked. Congratulations. But that's what it is. Yeah, that's uh good day. Good day for Memphis. Good day for GP. Have an active radio show here. A lot to, uh, lot to respond to here beyond just the Ion College Basketball Podcast. That's pretty much all I got, though. I mean, this is uh, not the expected outcome, but 
I, I think this case in many ways shines a light on some of the the farces of this process to begin with. And you know, I, I'm I, you know I don't object to some of the stuff that's happening. Some of it does. I don't know. Some of it's a little a little hard to believe, but <laughs> but more power to you. And we'll see if uh, if Penny and Memphis can can advance forward after making finally making the tournament in year four last season. Now you don't have Duran there. Obviously, Monty Bates has moved on. And now that this will be behind him, it's really going to be, this is my bow, then shut us down, GP. We can get out of here. It, it feels like year five for, for Penny and Memphis, it feels like it's the first year now. Now this is done. Uh, that like, yes, it's still get plenty of attention. The city loves them. Like it's a major attraction. Don't get me wrong. But like nationally, it just feels like the first year where there's just not a huge appendage attached to his tenure. You know, there's no looming case. There's no, you know, mega, mega recruits, you know, the, the bait stuff and the Wiseman stuff. And so I'll be interested to see what Memphis is this season and if it can be its best version yet under Hardaway. Yeah, like it's a probable but not definite NCAA tournament team. Um, but there's no five-star recruit. There's no controversy now connected to anything. It's just sort of like it's a I don't want to say it's a normal college basketball team because it's not. It's a very old college basketball team. But it is wild. This is a guy who, in year two, his first game started five freshmen and I believe became the first power conference coach or any level coach to start five freshmen in the first game of the season, like maybe in the history of college basketball. I could not find any other example. Even the Fab Five weren't the Fab Five till like January. Um, so to, to contrast that with what he's now going to be starting, which is probably no freshman, like a 25-year-old DeAndre Williams, um, super seniors. 29-year-old, but yeah. 29-year-old DeAndre Williams. Like to go, he's really changed his philosophy on, philosophy on what works and what doesn't and made a real point to, I'm going to get old. I'm, I'm going to have an old team as opposed to a young team. doesn't mean he wouldn't have taken a five-star freshman if he could have got one, but they prioritized being older. And um, it should, I think, make – um, the non-league portion of their schedule uh, go a little more smoothly. Um, you know, having Kendrick, De- you know, having a true star at the one is something they've never had since Jeremiah Martin in year one. If you even wanted to call Jeremiah Martin a star, he's a really good college player, played in the NBA too. But you know, they they primarily used Alex Lomax at, at point guard the past four years. Um, that, that you know, I'm sure Alex is going to get his minutes, but but Kendrick, it's now Kendrick Davis's job, and so I, I suspect that they'll be good. Uh, uh, drama free for the most part drama free and uh and good but as always we'll see shouts to Devin downey shouts to chester south carolina shouts to huck larnell and thank you guys once again for listening to the island college basketball podcast if you're not subscribed please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts including apple Podcasts and spotify over at apple we need five stars and a nice review type some words there's more of us than there are of them don't ever forget that We'll talk to you again real soon. (laughs) Until then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 